Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast on this Thursday, November 11th, where we celebrate not only Veterans Day here within uh, our country, and uh, a special blessing on all of you veterans uh, who may be listening uh, in our midst. Uh, but also we celebrate a feast day, St. Martin of Tours, which is a, a real interesting juxtaposition, and, and I hope to get to that later in the podcast today as well uh, in terms of, um, of, of how that falls on, on Veterans Day and what that invites us to just with that struggle. Uh, but anyway, yeah, we'll talk about that later. My friends, thank you for taking time to listen today, wherever you are. Uh, whenever you listen to this, I wish you God's life and God's goodness and God's joy, just God's presence with you today. Uh, it is so good. It is so good. And, and uh, you know, my friends, today is a gift. And so we are uh, here breaking open God's word together. And um, even though it is a feast day today, Martin of Tours, we are continuing to move through Luke 17. We will pick up right where we left off yesterday. And I did this once before. It was probably a few weeks ago, but I'm going to read out of a different translation. Uh, it's an interesting passage today. And uh, I just thought, oh, I, just in my prayer this morning, I thought, let's read it out of a different translation. Um, you know, I don't think you're... you're really missing a lot. If you really want to read it out of the other translation, the one I usually use, I usually go to usccb.org, and that is where I read the uh, New American Bible version of it. I'm going to read it out of a translation called The Message, uh, and that is a, a translation put together by Eugene Peterson, who it's just wonderful. It's just very understandable in today's language. So let's break open God's Word today. For those who want to follow along, we will be reading Luke chapter 17, verses 20 to 25. Let's break open God's word. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come, answered, The kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on a calendar, nor when someone says, Look here, or look, there it is. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. He went on to say to his disciples, The days are coming when you are going to be desperately homesick for just a glimpse of one of the days of the Son of Man, and you won't see a thing. And they'll say to you, Look over there, or look here. Don't fall for any of that nonsense. The arrival of the Son of Man is not something you go out to see. He simply comes. You know how the whole sky lights up from a single flash of lightning? That's how it will be on the day of the Son of Man. But first, it's necessary that he suffer many things and be turned down by the people of today. My friends, the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I just like that translation so much. So let's kind of break open. You know, it's, it's a gospel. And, and again, always pay attention. Who is Jesus talking to? Because uh, 
he he's going to tailor what he has to say to what they're looking for or what arguments they're bringing against him. So the first part, and, and this is made very clear in this translation, Jesus, grilled by the Pharisees on when the kingdom of God would come, answered. So here he's in the midst of the Pharisees who are saying, hey, okay, you keep speaking about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. Uh, and remember, he just talked about, right? You know, destroy this temple, and in three days I'm going to raise it up. And they're like, what are you talking about here? You know, and, and they're like, when is all this going to happen? And so that's why they were grilling him. Okay, give us a sign for you to go in the temple and be throwing all these things around and doing all this stuff. He's, he is saying, or, or they're saying, give us a sign. And he's saying, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on a calendar. Meaning, okay, it's going to come on February the, the, the 26th, you know? Uh, that's when the kingdom of God will be here. Okay, we can count those counts. Or, or, you know, conversely for us, the kingdom of God comes, oh, December 25th. We're just counting the days. I know the retailers sure are. December 25th. So we got a month and a half. That's when it's coming. And he says, no, no, that's not it. The kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days in a calendar. Nor when someone says, look here, or there it is. And Why? Because the kingdom, because God's kingdom is already among you. Let me use two examples of this. Two um, just modern day, uh, you know, out there media uh, type examples in, uh, in the public, in the public square. And the first is a movie that came out 30 years ago that is one of my favorite. But it's The Lion King. If you've never seen The Lion King, oh, <laughs> well, you know. I, I haven't seen the new live action, and nor do I really care to. But the 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 uh, cartoon was wonderful, and and not because the story is so unique or whatever, but really watch it and understand it from a perspective of faith, or or watch it with the eyes of faith, and you're going to see so many things that deal with baptism or confirmation or or all those things because it is just prevalent everywhere. But at one point. Simba, who has lost his father and was searching, you know, blamed himself. He was carrying that shame, just felt like he was not worthy of anything. And the priestly character, which is a monkey called Rafiki, says, oh, I know your father. And he says, where? I, you know, because he loved his father and his father, like I said, had, had died. And he, and he thought maybe for a second his father was still alive. And so he went with Rafiki to try to find him. And he says, your father is right through there. And so Simba goes through these reeds and looks down in the water and he says, that's not my father. That's just my own reflection. And, uh, and Rafiki stirs the water and says, look harder. And he sees his father within his own reflection. And it's beautiful. And isn't that what Jesus is saying today? Point number one, that, that I love that line. The arrival of the Son of Man is not something you go out to see. He simply comes. He's simply there, and we see him. And he's not just outside of us. He's within us. We see God's presence. We see God's kingdom when we look into our own reflection because we are created in the image and likeness of God, and we carry that, that spark of the Spirit within us. 
destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. And again, I said that two days ago, right? Or yesterday, I don't remember when I said it. That that exactly is, is not an accident that Jesus used that word, that we carry that within our temple too. That the kingdom of God is, is within us. But it's also among and around us. And so to use a second example, I want to use uh, a, a story, a parable by Nikos Kazantzakis. Now, yes, I said that correctly. He's a Greek, Nikos Kazantzakis. He wrote uh, Zorba the Greek, which he's pretty famous for, also equally famous for writing The Last Temptation of Christ, which, by the way, is a book worth reading. It's, it's, I thought the movie was okay, but the book I thought was, was really good. But I'm going to read this parable out of uh, a, a different book called The Holy Longing by Father Ron Rollheiser. And, and that's a book I will, I, I can't, I can't, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Joe? Recommend. How about that? <laughs> I can't recommend it highly enough. It is so good. The Holy Longing by Ron Rollheiser. If you've not read it, so good. But, but Ron was the one that uh, brought this parable to, to my attention for the first time. So uh, page 77. If you have it with you, you can follow with me on the bottom. Nico, Nikos Kazantzakis gave, ex, once explained this by way of a parable. So here's the parable. A man came up to Jesus and complained about the hiddenness of God. Rabbi, he said, I am an old man. During my whole life, I have always kept the commandments. Every year of my adult life, I went to Jerusalem and offered the prescribed sacrifices. Every night of my life, I have not retired to my bed without first saying my prayers, but I look at the stars and sometimes the mountains and wait, wait for God to come so that I might see him. I have waited for years and years, but in vain. Why? Why? Mine is a great grievance, Rabbi. Why doesn't God show himself? Jesus smiled and responded gently. Once upon a time, there was a marble throne at the eastern gate of a great city. On this throne sat 3,000 kings. All of them called upon God to appear so that they might see him, but all went to their graves with their wishes unfulfilled. Then, when the kings had died, a pauper, barefooted and hungry, came and sat upon that throne. God, he whispered, the eyes of a human being cannot look directly at the sun, for they would be blinded. How then, omnipotent, can they look directly at you? Have pity, Lord. Temper your strength. Turn down your splendor so that I, who am poor and afflicted, may see you. Then, listen, old man. God became a piece of bread, a cup of cool water, a warm tunic, a hut, and in front of that hut, a woman nursing an infant. Thank you, Lord, the pauper whispered. You humbled yourself for my sake. You became bread, water, a warm tunic, and a wife and a child in order that I might see you. And I did see you. I bow down and worship your beloved many-faced face. My friends, it doesn't get better than that, does it? Cousin Sakis nails the gospel today. He tells us exactly what Jesus is doing. Jesus says to us here, um, the kingdom of God doesn't come by counting the days on the calendar, 
nor when someone says, look here or there it is. And why? Because God's kingdom is already among you. And then I'm going to skip ahead again to that verse that I, I mentioned earlier. The rival of the Son of Man is, nothing you, is, is not something you go out to see. He simply comes. That God, in God's marvelous plan, in his marvelous vision, in his marvelous sense of humor, in his marvelous desire to be incarnate and be next to us and to see us and to be a part of us, comes in the ordinary. Why should this surprise us? He was born in a stable. He was placed in a manger among animals, a feeding trough. The first people to see him were shepherds. He came as an ordinary baby. And he was not extraordinary. As Isaiah says, there was nothing extraordinary to see in him. He had no countenance. He was not in royal robes or thrones or halls. God comes in the ordinary, right? Not in earthquakes or fires or, or strong winds as Elijah did, but in, a, in the tiny whispering sound. And oftentimes we see him in hindsight and say, God, you were there. You were there. And I love that parable because the, 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 the pauper says, Lord, we... We cannot look into the eyes of the sun or, or we're blinded. How can we look at you? Temper, temper who you are so we may see you. And then he saw him in a piece of bread and uh, in clothing, uh, a warm tunic and a wife and a child and a hut. Brothers and sisters, and I think that's what God, that's what Jesus invites us to in today's gospel. How, how can we become awake and not just see him in hindsight or look for the, the wowie zowie big things like, oh, God's over there. He's, he's, he's presenting up at the Resch Center in Green Bay or God's down, you know, he's at the L.A. Religious Ed Congress. I got to go there to see him. Nothing wrong with either of those places. But we don't have to go there to see him because he's simply in the love of that couple over there or he's in the service of the needy over there, or is in kissing the tears away of a child over here, or in simply seeing those who are at a distance, right? Isn't that what we talked about yesterday? He's in seeing those who are on the outside and saying, I see you there. The kingdom of God just comes. Brothers and sisters, we don't need to chase. We simply need to be awake. We simply need to ask God for the eyes to see. And then, like the pauper in the story, right? Thank you, Lord. You humbled yourself for my sake. You became whatever it is that we saw here, bread, water, a warm tunic, whatever. You became that, and I did see you. I bow down and worship your beloved many-faced face. Oh, that's so good. Now, let's talk about Mountain, Martin of Tours. So, so here's where the juxtaposition I talked about earlier and said, you know, it's interesting that it falls on, on Veterans Day. First and foremost, you know, we call, 
And, and we say to veterans who come back, thank you for your service, and, and rightly so. I mean, because they serve us. Uh, and I don't mean any play on words there. They serve a larger entity. Uh, and, but, and they do so not only at risk of their life, but they do so at risk of what they see over in those places and what they carry with us the rest of their lives. And Martin of Tours was uh, the, the son of, now again, Martin was born in like around the, the early 14th century. So remember we talked about the, the Edict of Milan uh, and, uh, and Constantine you know, uh, you fight by this sign, uh, the, the sign that he saw in the, in the sky, uh, and put it on his, his shields and, and won in the Edict of Milan. He allowed Christianity to become uh, a, uh, a, a, an equal uh, with other religions of the day. So Martin of Tours was born right around that time and lived, uh, was born over in Hungary. He was in the Roman Empire at that time, was born uh, over in Hungary, was born of pagan parents, uh, although Roman citizenship. And uh, went and, and lived in Italy, but his father was uh, a military man in the Roman uh, Empire, in the Roman army. And, and Martin was conscripted at the age of 15. And he became a, a catechumen and was baptized at the age of 18. And he really struggled, brothers and sisters, with how do I, um, how am I called to go out and fight how am I called to, to do that and also bear my Christianity? And he struggled with it. And, and, uh, and, and it wasn't black and white. It wasn't, it wasn't easy for him. And he didn't, as soon as he was baptized, quit the army. I mean, it was, it was a struggle for him. And five years later, at the age of 23, uh, when he was given a bonus for a, a recent battle he did, he said, nope. Nope, to his sergeant or whatever, whoever the, the person was, giving him the bonus and said, give this to those who fight. I am in the army of Christ and I ask to be released to go and fight that battle. So it wasn't like he just, he said, okay, I'm a Christian and, and, and I got to get out of the army, that's it. Or he didn't say, okay, you know, that, that you know, the, 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 the two can be mutually coexisting when I'm on the front line and, and asked to kill others. How do we deal with that, with those opposing parts? And Martin struggled with it. And, 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 and brothers and sisters, on this Veterans Day, when we honor those who, like I said, who have gone over and, and served us in, in whether that's Afghanistan or, or Iraq or, or, or in, in Vietnam uh, or Korea before that or, or even those who are still with us in World War II, whatever it is, I mean, we, I, I mean, that's holy ground in a sense that we take off our hat and say, I, I'm amazed. But we also need to acknowledge, and, and it was interesting, I listened to, a, one of the things I listened to is a 10-minute uh, podcast from Axios called Axios Today, A-X-I-O-S, Axios Today. And they give a, a roundup of the day's news. And they do it in 10 or 11 minutes, which is really nice. Um, and I was listening to it coming in this morning, and it was a special just for Veterans Day. And they were talking with, you know, uh, a dozen or so members of this, uh, this one unit that was in Afghanistan that was on the front line of a really tough, uh, tough battle. And, uh, and talked about not just what that was like, but talked about what's it like um, uh, to, to be ordered to kill. That that's, a, that that's something we don't talk about much within 
our uh, just in polite conversation, right? And and they started talking about that, and and they said, well, some people didn't have any problem with it. One guy even said, you know, I've 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 shed more tears over killing some prairie dogs than I did over some of that. And other people said it just sears your soul, and and it divides you, and you carry that with you the rest of your life. And and brothers and sisters, how do we on this feast of Martin of Tours engage our larger um, uh, culture? Our, 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 our country and say, how do we become this country of peace and, and not militarism? And how do we become voices of peace? Because when we send our women and men overseas, we put them not only in harm's way, we put their souls and their spirits, their very dignity, their, their very essence in harm's way, that it may be seared and divided and something that, that, that they carry that, that trauma with them the rest of their life. How do we, how do we deal with that? How do, we, how, do, how do we struggle with that? Because we have to struggle. And, and again, like Martin Tours, I suspect it's not black and white, but how do we bring our voice to the table with that? You know, Martin, uh, later in life, I just kind of brought you to the age of 23. He went off and became a monk after he got out of the army. And, uh, and um, just uh, went up to France, ultimately, Hilary of Poitiers. I'm not sure I'm saying that correctly. He was a disciple of Hilary. And he created what may be the first monastery, um, not Hillary, but Martin, in France. And the people loved him so much in Tours, T-O-U-R-S, it's a town in France, that they asked him to be bishop, and he totally didn't want to be bishop. But he loved helping the poor, so they set up a ruse. They said, hey, there's somebody in Tours that needs to be, uh, that's needy, that, that needs help. So he went in there to help him, and the people grabbed him and threw him in the church and, and tried to consecrate him, and he reluctantly allowed himself to be consecrated bishop. <laughs> I think that's the kind of bishops we need in our church, not the ones that are, are seeking the, the, the cardinal hat or, or, or anything, you know, the, the upward mobility stuff. We need the ones that don't want to be incarnated, and, uh, and those are the ones that, that I'll follow. Um, and, uh, and here he is, and, uh, and he was just... An incredible man that that really uh, he and uh, and Ambrose he and Ambrose um, were two of the people that went against another bishop at the time who said the other bishop said if you are dealing with people who are heretics we need to kill them and Martin of Tours and Ambrose said no no we we can't be doing that stuff and he um, he was he lost a, a lot of his reputation because of that. So brothers and sisters, here's somebody who really struggled with how do we deal with, with evil in our world? How do we um, actively oppose it? And uh, how, do we, how do we allow our conscience room within us uh, to, ha- to be a seat at the table? And how do we struggle? How do we struggle with that within ourselves, th- that our complicity with evil or non-complicity? And how do we do that as a church? And how do we do that as a community? How do we do that as a country? And, and knowing it's, it's never as black and white as we may want it to be, but on this day when we celebrate both Veterans Day and Martin of Tours, and both need to be celebrated, how do we struggle with that gray and bring our voice to the table to be heard as messengers of God's peace? 
Let's pray. And so, brothers and sisters, we, uh, we continue through our sorrowful mysteries this week. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. The fourth sorrowful mystery, Jesus carries his cross. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. St. Martin of Tours, pray for us. You know, while I'm recommending all these pop culture things like The Lion King and The Holy Longing and The Last Temptation of Christ, let me add one more. Hacksaw Ridge, if you've never seen that movie, now it's violent and, and uh, it's rated R um, and because there are scenes of, of graphic battlefield violence. But in a sense, it is, it's a wonderful, wonderful story about a uh, veteran of World War II who um, was also a conscientious objector, but also one who, who went into battle simply without a rifle. And it's his story as a medic of, of how he assisted in that effort. And, and speaking of Martin of Tours today, you see that in that movie, Hacksaw Ridge, uh, which is another way of doing it. It was just, gosh, I, I again, recommend it for, for those who can stomach that violence. It's, it's, it's a beautiful movie. Uh, my friends, thanks for being uh, with today and, uh, and God's blessings on your Thursday. And I look forward to us coming back together one more time tomorrow. God's peace.